Welcome to Be the Phoenix of Your Own Life, The Feminine Rising. My name is Julie Paulston. I am your host, and I am so absolutely honored that you stopped by. Each week, I'm going to be sharing my own personal journey, and I'm also going to be interviewing some incredible people that will be sharing their journeys as well, in hopes that we can educate, motivate, and inspire you to live the best possible life that you can. So grab your favorite beverage, maybe a snack or two, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Because at the end of the day, this truly is all about you. Welcome to Be the Phoenix of Your Own Life, The Feminine Rising. There's something very powerful in a story. I've put this story off. I have avoided it. I've run away from it. I've put it back into the box never to be thought of again multiple times. Every time I put it in the box, that little sucker finds a way out and comes up front and center. It's a story that some of you, when you listen to it, may stop following me. It is a story that when some of you listen to it, you may have some very strong opinions. It is a story that when you hear it, Things may come up for you. It's why I'm telling it. It's why it's so hard. Because it is very raw. It is very personal. It is very divisive. It is very polarizing. I will start my story by sharing a different story that will kind of give you an idea of where I was at when this story started. So as you know, I have been sober for 31 years. I drank a lot. I did a lot of drugs. My mind was toxic. My thoughts were toxic. And I remember probably, I don't know, uh, it was probably 2004 maybe? I don't know, to be honest with you. I started working for a company and Lehman Brothers bought them out. I was, I was a mortgage underwriter for Finance America. And I remember that Lehman Brothers bought them out and they required a background check. And so I didn't worry about it because on my application, they said, have you ever been convicted of a felony? Blah, blah, blah. I said, no. Well, I got a call from the security department and they said that I would, you know, they had something pop on my background check. Well, I had been arrested for selling magazines door to door. The charge was solicitation. No, that, not that kind. I never showed up. I was traveling, selling magazines door to door across the country. I got arrested. No big deal. Never went back to court. It was a misdemeanor. Didn't think anything of it. Well, here it is 18 years later, this pops up and I have to handle it. And so I called the company and I said, well, I know I was arrested. I think it was in Flint, Michigan. They were like, no, it was in Ohio. I didn't even have the right state. So I had to go back and figure out where it was, go back to the court Everything got handled. Everything was fine. They had to go back through microfish. They could barely find it. Everything turned out great. I kept my job. I tell you that little story to show you how twisted my mind was. I didn't even know where I was when I got arrested. I didn't even know the state. The story I want to talk to you about today, 
I wear many shoes, and that story is abortion. Feel free to click off if you do not want to listen to my story, although I would ask you to stay on and listen. Abortion is something that is very polarizing. It's in the news right now. States are doing laws, and it doesn't matter what side of the fence you are on, you're never going to understand the other side unless you slow down and open your mind. I was 18, maybe 19, and I got pregnant, and I didn't know that I was pregnant. I was so drunk, I was so deep into my disease that I had no idea until I was obviously pregnant. I was living at home at that time. I was still staying with my parents and I was disappearing for days at a time. And my mom bought all the feminine products in the house and noticed that I wasn't using any of them. So I had gone and terminated the pregnancy. And I remember telling my mom what I did. And I'm going to preface this by saying my mom and I have had this conversation. I love my mother. I will defend my mother until my dying breath. My mom looked at me and said in her grief, wow, well, you know, you're going to have to live with the the guilt that you killed my first grandchild. That rocked me to my core. I didn't think about it. I dove back into my disease. I just kept drinking and I kept using because the guilt and the shame, if I just didn't think about it, it didn't exist. It didn't happen to me. I didn't have to think about it. And in those moments where I was sober, the demon started coming back out and looking at me. I wish I could tell you that was the only time that that happened to me, but it wasn't. It happened again. And I was in North Carolina someplace. I don't share this story lightly. When you go through that situation, there is something that is altered within you for the rest of your life. There are so many people that will tell you that you're a murderer, that tell you that you should die because of what you did, that what you did was unacceptable, that what you did you took a life. If you don't think that anybody that is laid on that table and looked at the stupid picture on the ceiling hasn't thought of that, then you would be very, very wrong. Not only did I have an abortion twice, I got pregnant again and I decided that I was going to keep it because the amount of massive guilt and shame and devastation and Uh, there isn't even words for what I felt. I decided I was going to keep it. And my parents told me that I should give it up for adoption because who was I to raise a child? My son was born June 2nd, 1988. I relinquished him for adoption August 5th, 1988. I kept him for two months. And in those two months, my family fell in love with my son. I fell in love with my son. When I found out I was pregnant with him, I quit drinking, I quit using, I quit smoking, I quit everything because I wasn't gonna do anything to hurt my son or my baby. Everybody was in the delivery room with me. It was this momentous celebration. And then I went home by myself and realized that I had no fucking clue 
how to be a mom. And he cried and he cried and he cried. And I knew that I was going to hurt my son because I couldn't handle him crying. I couldn't handle the responsibilities of a newborn and I made the decision to relinquish him for adoption. And I felt like a complete and utter failure. And I remember my dad was a pilot and was still flying at that time. And he came to my apartment, he had a trip and he was leaving and he came to my apartment to say goodbye to my son. And he looked at me and he said, why would you do this to us? Why didn't you just have an abortion? So on one side, my mom was telling me that I had to live with the guilt that I killed her first grandchild. And then my dad was telling me, well, why would you do this to us? Why wouldn't you just have an abortion? So no matter what, I wasn't going to win. My sister quit talking to me. My brother was devastated. And I will never, ever, ever forget standing in the parking lot, watching the caseworker put him in the car and watching his little face as he drove away. That is an image that is burned into my mind. After that happened, I felt like there was nothing left. I had failed at everything. I wasn't a mom. I had abortions. And now I'd given a son up for adoption. I didn't even feel like I had the right to call myself a woman. And I dove into my disease. I dove into drinking. I, as long as I could stay drunk, I could erase the memory of his face driving away from me. I could keep the demons at bay that sat there that taunted me and that haunted me and told me that I wasn't enough, that I was less than, that I would never, ever be worthy. I got sober and I started doing the work and I still felt like shit pretty much every single day. I just happened to be a dry version of myself. Then I got pregnant with my son, Malcolm, and I knew that this time I couldn't fail. I had him and not a lot of people know this, but when he was three months old, I took him to my best friend's house and I said, here, take him. I don't know what to do anymore. She kept him and I would go see him. That was his safe space. That was where he started to grow up. And I realized that in him growing up, that I needed to grow up, that I needed to become his mother, that I needed to get my shit together and actually start being his mom. And then fast forward to when he was 12 years old, he came home from a football game with this girl. And he said, mom, this is my best friend. And she got kicked out of her house. She needs a place to stay tonight. Can she stay here? And I looked at this young girl and my heart just broke for her. Her foster parents had thrown her out of the house. They got into an argument. Now don't get me wrong, she's a feisty little thing. But they'd gotten into an argument and they had put her out. She didn't even have her insulin. Thank God I had a diabetic dog and a diabetic cat, so I had insulin for her. And I let her stay and I told her that she had to reach out to her foster mom and she had to tell her foster mom 
that she was safe and that I needed to see the messages and I needed to hear the phone call. And her foster mom said, good luck. You have your insulin here. I don't know what you're going to do, but uh, basically good luck. I tell you those situations because lots of times we look at people and we judge them. We judge who they are. We judge their life path and we've never walked in their shoes. I remember I was doing a client's hair one time and and I try not to talk about religion, sex, or politics because people are so divided on all of those subjects, but those seem to be the subjects that everybody wants to talk about when you're behind the chair. Somehow the, the topic of abortion came up and she looked at me and she was spouting off about, you know, how it was murder and this and that and the other thing and how could someone do that and women who did that were just vile human beings and they should be locked away and they should be put on trial for murder and they should be just basically put to death. And she looked at me and she said, you know, she goes, I'm so glad that, you know, you would never know what that's like and, you know, being respectable, blah, blah, blah. And in that moment, I knew I had a choice. I could either smile and nod and die a little bit inside or I could choose to share my journey with her and hopefully educate her. So I looked at her and I said, why do you assume that I've never walked that path? She goes, well, I mean, look at you, Julie. I mean, you're a very successful stylist and you travel and you do this and you do this and you do this. And I said, well, I said, I hate to break it to you. I said, but I'm one of those women that should be murdered. I'm one of those women that should be put on trial. I'm one of those women that should be stoned and blocked away for the rest of their life because I have walked in those shoes. I said, not only have I walked in those shoes, I've given a child up for adoption. I was a single mother and I'm a foster mother. So there is four pairs of shoes that I have worn. So don't you dare tell me how my feet feel. When I started thinking about this podcast, when I started thinking about sharing my story, it made me literally sick to my stomach because I knew that there were going to be people that would listen to this that are going to be appalled, disgusted, and that will walk away from me. I was terrified of that. And I started talking to very close friends of mine about my podcast. And I said, you know, I'm going to do an episode about my abortions, being a birth mother and giving a child up for adoption and about raising my kids and being a foster mom. And y'all, I've never been so surprised at the amount of women who have shared with me, Julie, me too. Thank you for wanting to do this. People that I looked at them and thought, well, they've never walked in those shoes they're probably going to judge me. They're probably going to be one of the ones that walk away from me. And they were the ones that looked at me and said, me too. I guess I tell you these stories. I share this part of my life because if you've done that, if you have made that choice, I see you, I see you. And I know what it took for you to make that choice. I know what it felt like And I know how it feels when you hear people talk about your choices and they don't know what you've done. Some of the closest people to you who don't know what you've done hurt you the most by their offhanded remarks. It's something that I live with every single day. 
Some days I don't even think about it. Months will go by and I don't even think about it. And then somebody says something and it comes back and it comes crashing down and it comes barreling through my walls like an inferno. And it just engulfs me. And the guilt and the shame come screaming back. And in that moment, I have to pause and remember that I made the choice and that whatever happens when I leave this earthly plane happens. Now, those that know me also know that I'm not religious in any way, shape, or form. I have a very deep abiding faith in the universe, and I know that the relationship that I have with Gus, God, universe, spirit, whatever you want to call him, is so much greater than any written word, and that's just my view. Every day when I think about the things that I've done in my past, it's very, very hard not to beat yourself up. It's very hard not to pick up that club and just go to town on yourself. It's one of the greatest challenges that you'll ever have. I don't want to spark a movement of people that all of a sudden start talking about having an abortion or being a birth mom or any of that to spark a movement of a me too. I share this story to let you know that you're not alone. There are so many of us that have been in that fire, in that shit pit, in that grief and in that desperation because of a decision that was made in a moment that has a lifetime of effect. I am a firm believer in pro-choice because I have walked in all shoes. I know what it's like to lie on that table. I know what it's like to watch my child drive away from me, to be raised by someone else. I know what it's like to be a single mom. I know what it's like to be a foster parent. Now your shoes might be a different size and your shoes might fit a little bit different than mine. We've worn the same shoes. No one has the right to tell me how my feet feel and no one has the right to tell you how your feet feel. The decisions that you make are for you. Do I believe that abortion should be done as a method of birth control? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. There's way too many ways that you can get around it. However, it's none of my business when you make that decision because I've had to make that decision. I've had to walk through those doors, see the people in the waiting room looking at you, knowing what you were there to do. Walking across those lines of people telling you that you are going to burn in hell for the rest of your life. And back then, I believed that that's the only place I deserved to go. Now I know different. My decisions were my decisions. Were they easy? No, they weren't easy. If you take anything from this episode, please understand that when we make those decisions, it's not easy. So before you judge someone for making a decision that you know nothing about or the circumstances that you know nothing about, I would invite you to pause and take off your shoes and try and step into theirs. Because until we are standing in someone else's shoes, we will never know how their feet feel. If you've listened to this podcast to the end, 
Thank you. I'm very proud of myself that I'm at the end and getting emotional. Today will be a day of journaling. Today will be a day of rest. And today will be a day of self-care. Because as I share my story, the demons, they're coming up. And I see them. They're walking towards me. At this point in time, I know who they are now. I know how to deal with them. And I'm going to be okay. If you've walked in these shoes, you're not alone. You're not. There's so many of us that have walked in those shoes. And I see you. And I support you. I support your choice. And I honor you for your courage to make that choice. And if you are a birth mom, I honor your choice. Because once again, I know that pain. So with that... I will tell you that it gets different. I won't tell you it gets easier and I won't tell you it gets better. It gets different. Grief is very unique and grief is different for everyone. You made a choice in the moment that you thought was the best choice for you. Don't go back and second guess yourself. You are where you are because of the, re- the choices that you've made. And where you are now is an amazing space. And if you're in a place of pain, and if you're in a place that you're sitting in the shit pit of your life, I promise it'll get better. There is hope. And if you need to talk, reach out to me. I promise I will never, never judge you for your choices. And I would hope that you would honor me by not judging me for mine. This was a rough one. This was, I wish I could be happy-go-lucky, but this is a topic that is very center right now. It is very pivotal. We have a bunch of people making decisions for us, and it's time to stand up and say that we get to make the choices for ourselves. If you can't have a baby, you don't get to tell me about my ability to have one. I know it is a very polarizing subject, but it's a subject we need to talk about. It's a subject that we need to pause and have understanding. And if you are truly living by faith, there's an old saying that you don't wanna throw a rock at a glass house and don't judge lest you be judged. Thank you for sharing this time with me. Thank you for sharing these moments with me. I appreciate you, I honor you. Remember, you are enough. You've always been enough. You will always be enough. And if you could only see the divine light that shines from your light to from your eyes, you would never doubt your greatness again. Until next week, my friends. Thank you so much for spending your time with me. I appreciate you. And remember, you are loved. You are treasured. You are adored. You are worthy. And you are so more than enough. I hope that you were inspired, and if you were, please feel free to download, share, and leave a comment. I would be eternally grateful. Thank you so much, and have an absolutely magical day.